The International Association for Near-Death Studies presents NDE Radio, a weekly exploration of near-death experiences and similar encounters with the other side. Now, here's your host, Lee Whitting. What if church leaders of all faiths encouraged their members to speak openly about their near-death experiences? What if they incorporated NDE stories into their worship services as proof that heaven is indeed for real? Welcome to NDE Radio, brought to you by IANS, the International Association for Near-Death Studies. I'm your host, Lee Whitting. Today I'm broadcasting from Rimrock, Arizona, quite near Sedona, which today's guest calls home. I discovered Pastor David Parker through the Internet, where his church's website revealed he's been preaching about NDEs since Easter. David Parker is the lead and founding pastor of Summit Life, a Christian faith community in Sedona, Arizona. David attended Missouri State University and Ozark Christian College prior to accepting a full-time position as worship arts and youth pastor at North Point Church in Winthrop Harbor, Illinois, back in 1997. And while serving at North Point, David attended Lincoln Christian College and Seminary. After seven years of full-time ministry at North Point, David and his family Relocated to Nashville, Tennessee, where David served as a worship leader for Cross Point Church while pursuing other musical endeavors. He and his wife uh, and family returned to North Point in 2009, where David served as creative arts director for more than three years prior to planning planting Summit Life in July of 2012. And now David, his wife Michelle, and children Matthew, Hannah, and Jeremiah call Sedona home. David, welcome to NDE Radio. Well, it is great to be with you this morning, Lee. It's uh, it's wonderful to have you. Uh, David, uh, tell our audience, what first sparked your interest in near-death experiences? Uh, well, actually, I had gone on a retreat uh, to California that was being hosted by John Burke, who's the lead and founding pastor um, of Gateway Church in, I believe it's in Austin. And John had written a book. Uh, called Imagine Heaven, and that book uh, was given free <laughs> uh, to the pastors that gathered at this quaint little retreat, and that was actually where the initial spark came from. Uh, John shared his story of his father, uh, who was on his deathbed. John wasn't a believer at the time. He was a teenager, and his father was dying of cancer, and his dad had a book on his nightstand, uh, life after life, uh, which you had shared yesterday that you're quite familiar with. Yes. And John picked up the book and he read that book in one night sitting. It sparked a great curiosity about what might be on the other side. And uh, over a course of time, John ended up becoming a follower of Jesus, uh, studied much more in the realm of near-death experiences, and eventually wrote this book uh, called Imagine Heaven. And it's this book that we're kind of basing our series with Summit Life out of. Hmm. And uh, what's been your congregation uh, react? Your congregation's reaction? Were they surprised that you're devoting so much time to the subject of NDEs? Uh, I don't believe there's no. Uh, we're not that type of congregation. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, there's there's a lot of intrigue and a lot of interest. Uh, Honestly, we typically keep our gatherings to roughly one hour in length, uh, but with these near-death experience and stories, we've had the liberty of going 
uh, a bit longer. And I mean, people are really leaning in. The the response afterwards is, I had no idea that we had, you know, we had gone long. And um, I mean, these stories, uh, they they move into the realm of not only intriguing, but everybody's curious because all of us at one point or another, we're going to face death, right? Um, exactly. I mean, the death rate on earth is, is pretty much a hundred percent these days. So, <laughs> so it's something we can all relate to. Well, I, I was fascinated by how you incorporate clips of uh, interviews, uh, you know, right on a screen during the service. I think that's very powerful. Yeah, we're a, we're a heavy media, uh, sort of gathering. So anytime that we can, you know, that we can move back and forth between, uh, interview clips, um, videos, music, those sorts of things that kind of keeps people leaning in. But these, uh, these videos are extremely well done. I mean, John Burke, once again, uh, he and his crew were responsible for putting those together and, uh, they are much longer in length, but I've edited them back. You know, for the for time's sake, uh, mm-hmm. but man, these stories—they're <laughs> uh, stories that come from neurosurgeons and doctors and uh, commercial airline pilots, and I mean, people who don't stand to gain much financially, you know, from from sharing their story, and that makes it all the more powerful. Yes. Now you told me that. Uh this program has provoked some of your own congregation to share their stories. Yes, I meet with uh, what I call our leadership development team. We're a young church. Um, we're just moving up into the our four-year anniversary as far as when my family and I moved to Sedona. And we've been developing leaders along the way. And whenever I met with them after the first, what we call our life groups, which are our midweek uh get-togethers in homes, I asked and inquired with them how the life groups were going, and uh, to my surprise, yeah, some shared that, well, within their life group, within the context of their life group, that some folks had shared that they had actually had near-death experiences, Um, and actually, after the first weekend of kicking the series off, uh, I had an individual who stopped me outside and shared that yeah, a number of years ago in their lives, they had a near-death experience, and it's something that they do not talk about. Uh, it's something that um, they they've pretty much kept to themselves. Only a only a few people in their lives even know about it. So I guess when we left off, I was asking, uh, have the have your congregation mentioned why they were uh, embarrassed to talk about their uh, near-death experiences? Uh, not, I mean, not with great clarity, just the, the simplicity of, well, it, you know, it was, uh, something that they weren't sure how people would respond to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was more so a matter of, uh, it, it might make them seem a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a, this is not just your congregation. This has been a universal reaction. And in fact, exactly. in my own situation, I didn't talk about it for 20 years or more. Uh, because you are a little afraid that people are going to think you're crazy or uh, that you hallucinated. And in fact, people who do come out uh, immediately with their stories, often their doctors will say, oh, that was just a product of the drugs we were giving you or whatever. Um, but if people were willing to talk about 
their near-death experiences. Since there are, it's been estimated 774 <laughs> NDEs a day, uh, if people that had those experiences would share those experiences, what a difference it could make in the society. It could make a huge difference. Even just sharing with our community, I mean, has opened some people up to sharing their experiences. And what I've learned in life and relationship, especially when it comes to sharing about uh, the existence of God uh, and the afterlife, is that nothing hits home with people like personal testimonies. Uh, so if you have individuals, and especially those that have built up trust with their friends who are willing to share about their experiences, those experiences are all the more powerful um, because they're personal. They're, uh, they're the story of somebody that you trust. It's not some document that was written, you know, a couple of thousands of years ago. Yes. Well, sometimes I've encountered people who say, well, uh, God's revelation to us ended with the Bible and that God isn't talking to us anymore. And yet, through these experiences, I think clearly he is. Um, I, I would completely agree. Have you heard of any other churches that are doing what you're doing? Well, yes, actually, and here's the irony in the situation. Um, there's a church in Las Vegas called The Verve uh, with Pastor Vince Antonucci, um, and he, Vince, and I are good friends. Uh, they were they took part in helping in the planting of Summit Life, and. The Sunday that I tweeted out, we're kicking off our, our new series, Imagine Heaven, uh, Vince immediately responded and shared that they, too, on Easter Sunday, kicked off the series, Imagine Heaven. Uh, so I've been interacting with Vince uh, during this series, and uh, you know we've been, been sharing with one another a bit. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, actually, simultaneously, a couple of us are, are diving into this realm um, mm. I'm not sure what, what might it might make it uncomfortable. I will say that whenever we decided that we were going to dive into the series, uh, two things happened in my life. Actually, I'll say three things happened. One is the scriptures came alive again. Uh, I don't know if, you know, for those of you who are musicians, whenever you're learning to play the guitar, you reach a certain point and things tend to plateau and then you you learn something new about the guitar and you, you go on this uphill climb again and then you plateau. Uh, and for, for me, the same has been true of the scriptures uh, as we dive in and as we dig and as we learn that I personally ex have experienced some plateau times, you know, when it's like, okay, Lord, do you, do you have more? Is there, is there more to learn? And the NDEs that I've been reading and hearing about and watching the videos of have caused me to, to turn a new eye to the scriptures, and I think of Paul, uh, who wrote you know, the majority of our New Testament letters, and in the book of Acts, uh, the documentation of the early church, it says that they stoned Paul, they dragged him outside of the city, and they thought that he was dead. You know, these yes. are like professional professional stoners, <laughs> uh, in, the, in the sense of putting people to death, you know. Uh, it says, but after his disciples had gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the city. And it's Paul who ends up writing a letter to the Corinthians, uh, to the, the church in Corinth. And he says, look, I know a man. And I love how Paul writes this. I think that 
I think he's kind of uneasy about the, the near-death experience. He says, I know a man who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. And he says, whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. I don't know, but God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows. <laughs> he was caught up to paradise, and he heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And, I mean, I've read that verse numerous times, but after considering the near-death experiences and after considering that Paul likely had, and we read of him having these experiences, then we read his words that says, I know a man. Uh, I, I have to wonder whether or not Paul was speaking of himself um, being called oh, to heaven, whether in the body or out of the body. He's not sure, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think he definitely was Paul. I mean, how else could somebody have – one of the things about near-death experiences is that people come back with amazing gifts, some gifts of healing, some gifts of prophecy. I think Paul's knowledge, understanding of what Jesus was all about – and um, his clear ex- explanation of Christianity so early in the game must have had something to do with uh, with what he learned from the other side while he was there. Yeah, I would agree with that. So his words, as I read them now, have so much more life in them. It's true. You, you feel like it's it's a message that's to come directly through his NDE to the other to enliven and to expand Christianity to a, an international religion, what it is today. Um, yes. Some churches, some people have a problem with the universality of the near death experience. They Christian churches that are particularly wed to a certain dogma uh, are upset when they think that non-Christians could be seeing heaven just as readily as Christians can. What, what's your response to that? Well, I, I had shared I had three uh, three responses to this series and diving into it, and I would say that the second one is that exactly, um, is the universality of, of many of these near-death experiences, and it raises the question, uh, okay, so who is who is given this gift of uh, of eternal life in the presence of God. Who's given that gift? And uh, these are conversations that have been spurred from the from the series opening up and something I just wrote in my journal this morning. This series is extremely challenging. It once again raises questions of uh, universalism. And my question that I ask is, do I want everyone to be saved? Do I want everyone to experience heaven? And my answer is yes. Um, and I think that that's God's desire as well. I think he states that pretty clearly uh, in the scriptures. Um, so it, it definitely raises questions for me. Uh, it doesn't cause a crisis of faith necessarily. It doesn't cause me to stop proclaiming Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. Um, but it does cause me to lean it a bit more. And uh, one question that I've I've wrestled with in the past, and this series kind of raises the question again, is I believe the scriptures tell us that the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. So I asked the question, was Jesus a righteous man? And everybody will responds, well, yeah, Jesus was a righteous man. Then I asked the question, well, what what is the prayer that Jesus prayed 
on the cross whenever he was talking to the Father, and it was, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Now, is yes. Jesus speaking that just over those soldiers at the foot of the cross, over the people at the foot of the cross, or was he speaking it on behalf of humanity? And if he was speaking it on behalf of humanity, has the Father forgiven us to that degree? Um and that's a that's a great question to wrestle with. <laughs> I think that uh, it, I mean, I've, yeah, I've been. Th- that's one of the past, best. You know? That's one of the best answers I've ever heard to that question, David. Is the fact that he did forgive us all because we don't know. And if there are non Christians out there that don't know they've been uh, blessed by Jesus' life and death, then uh, they're forgiven too. Yeah, I mean, what I've shared with our congregation with Summit Life is. The message of the gospel at its very core is this. You're forgiven. You've been, you've been given the gift of forgiveness. Now receive it and live in it. You know, that is the mm. core of the gospel message, um, is, is forgiveness through Christ. Uh, mm. well, gee, and, uh, <laughs> it's what? still, it's still a little uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> but it's so uh I mean your church is all built on the on the sense of community um that um actually my church is too that we that we assemble it's just we just sit around tables and you know somebody once compared the look of that to the to uh the last supper paintings uh, because that's that's, that's what we try to envision and one of the things I noticed when the when the the Catholics have gone back and forth on this, but when they do c- communion, the words are um, uh, Jesus died so that, it, well, it was, as I was growing up, uh, all will be forgiven. or um, And and they've changed it back to mem- many, which I think is the way the Bible puts it. But but I think it all is all. <laughs> That's the, Those are the words <laughs> we use when we do communion, that everyone is, is included in that and everyone is invited to participate. Yes, we when we celebrate communion, uh, we do it in much the same way as far as communicating that. Actually, I I oftentimes ask a question. I ask, who would Jesus exclude from coming to the table today? Hmm. And I think the answer is Jesus wouldn't exclude anybody. Religious people would exclude people. <laughs> um, right. Self righteous people would exclude people, but I don't believe that Jesus would exclude anybody from from coming to that table. Um, well, he visited with, I mean, his friends were uh, the sinners and the the, the uh, physically handicapped and the tax collectors and all of the rejects of society. They were his people. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were, uh, I mean, he tore them up one side and down the other for being so not only hypocritical, but so uh, demanding uh, of, you know, the rule bound by the rules rather than by the love and and forgiveness. Right. I love the the way that Jesus, when he's confronted by the religious elite, uh, and they say, you know, why 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 do you eat with sinners? Why do you gather in these places? And he says, look, I've not come. I mean, it's not the, the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. And he said, I've not come to call the righteous, um, but the unrighteous, to repentance. Uh, or I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners, to repentance. And I feel that Jesus is kind of passing the ball back into the Pharisees' court and saying, so which are you? Are you righteous or are you a sinner? Uh, 
because when he passes that ball to me, I say, well, I'm a sinner. So he's come mm-hmm. to call me. Um, and I think that Jesus, you know, in that little twist, he, he basically asks, yeah, he asks the Pharisees, would you consider yourself righteous? Because if you consider yourself righteous, what are you? You are self-righteous. Um, and that means you've got a problem. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, I've had people on the show who uh, have talked about end times, Armageddon scenarios and the like. And uh, it seems to me that if people could universally share the story of the near-death experience so that people began to, as John Burke's book is titled, Imagine Heaven, that we could really turn this uh, life on earth around. And what's your, what are your thoughts on that? Well, whenever you shared uh, in our gathering yesterday uh, regarding the power of, of sharing the near-death experience and the change that it could potentially bring you know, within our cities, our, our nations, even within the world, I thought, wow, I, I honestly had not considered it to that degree. Um, but that did spark a, I mean, spark a curiosity in me. I, I think that what you shared is true, that it does have that potential. Um, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not sure, well, sure what else to say about that. <laughs> well, it's certainly one of the reasons that, w- that we started this, uh, this show. And, uh, and I think the following, uh, the audience that we have for this indicates uh, a very strong, maybe I could even say universal curiosity about the near-death experience and what it might mean. Um, there's a passage, I can't cite exactly where it's from right now, but, uh, God says there's, a time coming when I will write my law in their hearts and they will be my people and I will be their God and no longer will people have to say to one another, this is what God's all about or that's what God's all about because we will all know. And uh, perhaps the potential for uh, um, everyone to experience either their own mystical experience or to share one so closely with someone else that they'll be informed by it is what God was talking about there. Yeah. Um, what's your sense of community? I mean, your church uses the word a lot. What? How do you? How do you interpret community? I think this ties in real well with imagine heaven, especially yesterday's yesterday's teachings um, and last week's teachings regarding the community in heaven. Um, my my understanding of community is that we serve a God, uh, the one true God who is community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, uh, who created humanity in his likeness. And whenever he created Adam, he said that it is not good that Adam be alone because this is not a good reflection of, of who we are, Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, as the one true God in community. And so... And he created Eve. I've, the statement that we, a phrase that we use is that we're created by community, for community, for the sake of the community. Um, so we're created by the community who is the one true God. We're created for community with one another. And so we gather together and we're created for the sake of being a blessing to the community that God's placed us in. 
Uh, and we can now even take that further and say, you know, so that we can celebrate life eternal uh, in the heavenly community, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is a beautiful thing. I mean, can you imagine? Imagine heaven. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, and there have been people who've questioned whether heaven is a boring fig or not. I, uh, John Burke mentions that in his book. Uh, he was asked, doesn't heaven sound boring? But if the community of souls that we have shared uh, community with on earth are there waiting for us when we when we go, What's what's to make that boring? I mean, suddenly everyone's what's going to be boring uh, about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, and we'll know so much more. I mean, we'll know the truth. We won't have the doubts and the and the fears that uh, that are so popular on Earth today. The miscommunication, the misunderstandings. Right. But I love how one one ear put it that communication in heaven. They said it's so difficult. It's so difficult to explain, but they said, can you imagine, imagine it this way on earth? If you could give me a password that would give me access to every single thought, every single uh, feeling and emotion that you have within you, if you could give me that password, they said, that's kind of like communication in heaven. There's just this knowing. On one well, hand, I'm like, that's kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But on the other but, hand, it's like, wow, that's a beautiful. But once we've gone through our life review and, and we find that we can forgive ourselves as well as uh, being forgiven, then uh, there'll, there'll be no need for secrets. It'll just be a need for love, and that'll be all around us, and, and we'll be part of it. And David, uh, we're just about out of time, and I'd like to, you to let people know how they might get in touch with you, and uh, also tell them, tell them how they could hear some of your music on uh, the Internet. Okay. Uh, well, our church's website is summitlifesedona.com. Uh, you can listen in to our weekly uh, teachings and watch them online. Join our online community. That would be a beautiful thing. Uh, and as far as the music... Uh, that I have to offer, uh, I front a worship Christian rock band called 38 Acres, and that music is available on iTunes and Amazon.com and any other download outlet you might find. And I'm also a country artist, so I don't know how many of your listeners are into country music, but uh, uh, I've recorded quite a bit of country music that's also available under just my name, David Parker, on iTunes and Amazon. So... Uh, yeah, that's that's kind of my my history and my life story and where I'm at today. Well, we thank you for sharing that with us, David. Uh, my thanks to Pastor David Parker for describing his ministry experience and how he's employing the power of NDE stories into his church. If you'd like to listen to this show again or any other of our previous programs, please visit our website at nderadio.org. And for more information about IANS and our upcoming conference in July in Orlando, Florida, please visit that website at IANDS.org. This is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.